Welcome to Mudflap and Palmer We're Forced to Do a Podcast, a weekly bonus bit of the Mudflap and Palmer Show, starring Mudflap and Palmer. Reach out to us on Facebook or email mudflapandpalmer at gmail.com. Now, against their will and most people's wishes, here are Mudflap and Palmer. Well, hey guys and gals, and welcome to episode number four of the Mudflap and Palmer We're Forced to Do a Podcast. Who would have thought it would have lasted this long? I really thought we were going to get canceled. Yep, but no, no. When the labor is free, sir, they just keep you on forever. That's true. (laughs) And they're probably not listening anyway. I am Mudflap. I am Palmer. And this is Mudflap and Palmer We're Forced to Do a Podcast, episode four, the first one of April, meaning this goes live. April 1st, April Fool's Day of 2022. Oh, what noble visionary thought up April Fool's Day. Okay, and just we're no pranks, no nothing like that. Not in this podcast, no. No, well, that's unfortunate. Well, think about it. What did we do last year on April Fool's Day? You remember that? Phenomenal cosmic powers. We did a full hour of, of think, having people think that we changed the format of the radio station. Oh, that's right. We did do that. To an 80s station. Yeah, we did do and that, we didn't we? we played nothing but 80s stuff, and we called it Power 99. And people loved it. They that was did. the problem. They did. They were really mad when we went back and started playing country. <laughs> they were so angry. That was fun for us, and it was fun for me because I got to put it together, like a full hour of programming with... All those, the little whiz-bang stuff that goes in between the songs. You're listening to the all-80s morning zoo. You better sit on that zoo fraternity of yours. I don't want no Duncan riots in my town. On Power 99. And then we got to pick our favorite 80s songs and kind of throw them in there like we were uh, a, a top 40 station from the 80s. That was fun for me. And it was so disappointing when we had to go back and play country music. Do you because- remember that? Because we did it in the 6 o'clock hour yeah. right after the show started. And I was so bummed after that. <laughs> It was like the rest of the show was horrible after that. <laughs> it was really kind of a letdown. <laughs> I remember I, actively complaining. Can we yes. just play it for the rest of the morning? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But that is an example of an April Fool's joke. And the funny thing was, I don't know if we did it right because we did it so early that I think a lot of people missed it. And I'm glad we did it that early because if we just from the response that we got from the 6 o'clock crowd. Yeah. It would have been much worse. It was so much fun, though. Yeah, it was. So much fun. Uh, When it comes to April Fool's jokes, I am not a big fan of them unless it's something memorable. I mean, if it's just like walking up and going boo and scaring, boring, Mm -hmm. boring. I'll give you an example. There was, when I was in Virginia, working at this radio station, a country station up there in Harrisonburg, there was this new sports guy. His name was Dave Berman. And I could not stand this guy. He was obnoxious. He was egotistical. He was best friends with management, so he got away with murder. Oh. Uh, all this stuff, right? So I said, okay. And, and when I say egotistical, this guy was egotistical to the point of almost being cartoony. Okay? So I said, I know how to get him back. And I left a letter. I typed up a letter, and I left it on somewhere public in, within the radio station. And he he, I was working overnights at the time, and he would come in first thing in the morning. So we were the only two in the radio station for a period of time. And I left it out like in the business office area, and I knew he'd be prowling around and looking around. And I made this professional-looking introduction letter saying, hey, 
I work in New York City at the biggest radio station, whatever, but I'm looking to retire, but I don't want to get out of radio entirely. I'm looking for a news director, sports director job, which was his <laughs> job. And, and I put down all these references like CBS Radio, New York City for six years and wada wada. And, uh, and I signed it because it was April 1st. I signed it April Fuller. He lost his ever-loving mind. How fast did he run to the management? Oh, well, let me put it this way. Management came in about 8, 8.30, right? And he was in there in the middle of his show. He was doing the news talk station in Morning Drive. And he had held on to it and took it down there and said, what is this? And he's, like, losing his mind. And, they're like, and of course, he doesn't believe him when they say they don't know anything about it. Because in most radio stations situations, whenever they're looking to replace you, yes. you are the absolute last <laughs> yes. one to know until they go, you're fired. As we know. Yes. We've been, we've been down that road. Mm -hmm. But he lost his mind and nobody, eventually the sales manager, the woman, and this was a bad situation because she was married to the general manager. So the two of them ran it. Oh, that's never a good thing. It was never good. And she was a witch. And eventually by about 11 o'clock in the morning, they figured out who did it. <laughs> And she's like, well, somebody has way too much time on their hands. And I'm just like. I wonder know, who that somebody is. Don't know who that is. Oh, could could be funny. your new sports director, but good news, there's somebody waiting in the wings. So that was my favorite. That is my all-time favorite uh, April Fool's joke. I actually have a confession that goes along with an April Fool's joke. Okay. Remember when we were across the street and one morning, just randomly, that station started playing Christmas music. Yes. And it happened to fall on April 1st. Yes. Everyone thought I planned this out to right. where I, I had played nothing but Christmas music. Right. But for some reason, when I was doing the schedule and getting music ready for the next day, I actually accidentally dragged in the wrong log. Oh. And I had no idea it was April 1st. And instead, for, so it, for most everybody, it was December 1st. Yeah, so literally for like, I think it was like an hour, maybe two hours, it was nothing but Christmas music. It was old <laughs> Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. And, Who's hating on that? And everybody thought it was, I start getting messages. And they're going, oh, what, what's the station doing? You're like, oh, I get it, April Fool's Day. Right? And I, of course, I just played along with sure, it. Sure, you got to. Management thought it was genius. You got Everything to. else, but. The fact of the matter is I just made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never told anybody that. Bottom line is today, actually, the first day that this is live is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Watch your back. Especially with people that are not creative because they just do the stupid stuff. <laughs> I let all four tires go. I put, I let all the air out of put all four tires. Put a banana in your tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. And those are the ones you really have to watch out for. The creative ones are the ones that do no damage. Those yeah. are the ones that aren't hurtful. Right. You know? And those are the ones that I like. I like the creative ones, like the thing that we did on the radio. Yeah, don't make me work in whatever it is that you, <laughs> you decided to prank me. I don't, I don't need to clean up the mess or anything else like that. And also, let me ask you another question. If you had found that letter and it had pertained to you and you had an interest in reading it, and you saw the signature was April Fuller and it was April 1st, would you have picked up on that? No. Not in a million years. See, that was a private joke with me and me. Yeah. Because I didn't tell anybody else I was doing it. I just did it on my own. That one would have taken me really after I, the initial me being upset right. and sitting down and thinking about it. And I'd be like, oh, okay, that's what it is. <laughs> it would have taken a while. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my I, – I take great pride in that. So anyway, April Fool's Day, please be careful. Watch All your right. back. Let's talk about something that's not an April Fool's uh, Day joke, but it's something everybody's talking about. I saw it referred to on Facebook today as uh, 
the slap heard around the world. And that's what they're dubbing it as. Is it? Is that the thing? Mm-hmm. All right. I, I saw it in multiple platforms, uh-huh. and they're all saying the same thing. Oscar Awards last weekend, Chris Rock uh, told a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. Will and Jada were sitting up front. Will laughed at it till he found out Jada wasn't laughing. Then he went up, smacked uh, Chris Rock across the face. Uh, uh, seriously, a lot of people are calling it like wimpy, but that was a good sla- that was a good smack. I that, thought it was that was a good smack. And then he walked back to his table and started yelling to you know Chris. Chris didn't know what was going on, and Will's like you know keep my wife's ma- uh, name out of your bleeping mouth. Blah blah blah. I mean, it was just an embarrassing situation overall. What's interesting about it is how divided the support for either of those people is. A lot of people are coming out saying, "Will, yeah, Will Smith, good on you. And a lot of people are saying, come on, that's ridiculous. Chris didn't do anything wrong. And to, and to have that kind of reaction was a little over the top or way over the top. But I thought in my mind when that happened, I went, wow, everybody's going to all of a sudden not be a big fan of Will Smith. But the support that he's getting surprised me. It's odd support. Um, and I get it but I don't get it because what throws it for me was if that was his initial reaction to go up there and slap him across the face, Mm -hmm. I would have no problem with what he did. My problem is, is when Chris told the joke, they shot to Will and Jada and he was over there straight up belly laughing. Oh, he was laughing. And then he got the look Mm -hmm. from Jada. And then all of a sudden it was game time. And that's my problem with it. It wasn't that. (laughs) that It's disingenuous. Yeah. That will had no problem with that joke on every level until he saw the reaction. Exactly. Uh, on top of that, you're talking about a joke, which, I mean, we deal in jokes every day because it's, we're entertainers. Not on a Chris Rock level or a Will Smith level, we entertain. Absolutely. And if you were to gauge the severity of that particular joke, I said that was... That was about minimal. as mild as it gets. Yeah, that was very, very minimal. Not like when Ricky Gervais hosted, what was it, the People's Choice Awards. Are you talking about the Mel Gibson thing? Well, the Mel Gibson thing. He went around the room. Yes. And it was brutal. If you have not watched that, just search up that on YouTube. Yeah. It is amazing. because, And I love him so much. I do, too. he straight up called him out. I do, too. And it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if it had not been Chris Rock up there, but Ricky Gervais. But here's the thing, too. Um the people that are defending Will Smith are saying she has alopecia. It's an autoimmune deficiency disease, and they shouldn't make fun of that. First of all, I didn't know she had alopecia. I thought she was making a style choice. I thought she shaved her head because she wanted to, and I thought she looked good. I thought it looked she rocked it. Yeah. But Chris well, Rock they, they also had, said he didn't know. That was the problem. It was like I, I had saw the story a few months ago where they came out and openly talked about mm-hmm. this, and obviously it was hit and miss with people. Right. Some caught it, some didn't. Mm-hmm. But Chris Rock, to me, the joke was straight G.I. Jane. And the joke was, hey, Jada, I love you. Can't wait to see you in G.I. Jane 2. Right. G.I. Jane was the 90s movie with Demi Moore where she had to shave her head. That's as far as I got with it. I didn't start reading into this other thing with alopecia and making fun of a, a, a disease or a disorder that she has. I mean, some people drew that connection. I saw an even further connection. That totally threw me. And if somebody buys this, they're way way overthinking this. But they said that Demi Moore had shaved her head for G.I. Jane 2. 
Demi Moore had stepped out on Bruce Willis with Ashton Kutcher. So they're saying that, oh, he's calling her, he's calling Jada a Demi Moore stepping out on your husband woman. And that was the. That's a big step. Can I tell? That's a reach. Well, you know why it's it's not a reach for them is because of what went down with them earlier. August, in the, in, yeah, living in this house. Where was that same energy? Right. Now, if if if, Chris, it's a, if it's one of those things that's accepted in your household, that's fine. But the way it came out originally, that definitely didn't feel the case. No. Now you may walk it back and and, and, and say, get on oh, the same yeah, we page that. And yeah. That yeah, we, we we planned that. Yeah. That was good. But here, but. But that's the thing. If Chris Rock really wanted to insult somebody, he could have gone there. I no, I one hundred percent agree. He said, "You know, it's it's only March, but it feels like August." August. Yeah, I mean, he could have done anything. (laughs) I saw a list of all the August jokes that he could have made, and 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 he could have absolutely. And if he felt, if he wasn't surprised by this, if he wasn't shocked by how this all turned, he probably would have had other jokes in the chamber waiting to go once Will smacked him. And you know it, what the interesting thing is, as of we record this, Chris Rock has had an appearance in Boston. Yeah, he's back on his comedy tour. In which he basically addressed the crowd and said, you know, hey, I'm not talking about this. I'm still processing it. Right. Which makes me think he's being quiet for a lawsuit. And, and it, Could be. It, and I would. I mean. I also think that Chris Rock might actually have his feelings hurt. Seriously. That you would take something that he considered to be a mild joke and you got so offended by it. He's hurt by the fact that you got mm-hmm. offended by it. He's hurt as well that you attacked him. Right. I've, and I, I think, I don't know why this is just a feeling in my gut. Chris Rock's that guy. He's that sensitive guy. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he's come out in the past and said what an abusive and horrible childhood he had in a lot of ways. So I think he feels that. He's very empathetic. I don't think... In his mind, he was not making fun of her having a disorder that she was uncomfortable with. No, in I his mind, so he was just saying, "Hey, she shaves her head. Let's make a shaved head joke." Yeah, and it's it, as far as it went in his mind, and it was simple. So, if you want to defend Will Smith for how he reacted and what he did, okay, go ahead. It's a free country. I, I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. I'm, I'm, the thing is, I think at some point he was going to snap anyway. And it just happened to be on national TV. There's because there's so much going on with his kids, with her, yes, with that whole August situation. He ain't parents don't just understand. You yeah. know, he ain't that guy anymore. He's not the Fresh Prince anymore. He's not. He and is a fifty-something-year-old man who's got issues. He's got people concerns. are calling him Beta. You know, he's yeah. not an alpha. She's calling the shots. And I, to me, the Oscars kind of. Showed that. Yeah, prove that out. So, uh, as the far interesting as, thing is that they asked him to leave after that happened and he didn't, didn't. find out about that until last night, right. which was Thursday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday night. Um, and then I love what Jim Carrey had to say because Jim Carrey straight up called out Hollywood. They called him all spineless, they gave him a standing ovation. And he got attacked on Twitter and social media for, for saying mm-hmm. what he said about Will I'm glad, Smith. I'm glad he said it because it's true. I mean, at no point, no one should have stood up for that. I mean, right. after the display, not because right. he didn't do a great job in the movie. It has nothing to do with that. It's you made that night about yourself. What's interesting, yes, and on top of that, it, that's all anybody who won, they're not going to be remembered. No. That, nothing except this is going to be remembered. Yeah. Uh, and it was also interesting that two of the three hosts I've heard from so far, Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes. Are were, not happy. Yeah, they're not happy with the way all of that went down. Yep. Um, 
So, and people on social media are making this a racial thing, saying white people should stay out of it because it's a black thing. It's just weird. The whole thing is weird. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to sit back and watch. It really is. So, there you go. Our feelings on the Chris Rock and Will Smith thing. All right. Something we talked about uh, on the show on Thursday. And I did not realize that you and I were as much on the same page about this as we are, but we both had very similar situations growing up, keeping in mind we grew up in the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. So times were a little different. Parents weren't as woke and as sensitive to their kids as they happen to be now. Absolutely not. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. But you grew up in Somerville, South Carolina. I grew up in upstate New York. And it's interesting that our lives kind of dovetailed like this in this way. And we're talking about the experience at the dinner table. How many people did you have sitting at the dinner table? Uh, it was six. Okay, so a similar size family. Yep. My mother, my father, me, my brother David, my brother Stephen, my sister Stephanie, and then uh, my two younger sisters came along later. Right. So, yeah, about six, same thing. But what was always an interesting thing is no matter what we had to eat, there was usually something. My mother was a pretty good cook. But we're talking about we didn't eat high on the hog. We didn't have steak and stuff like that. We had, like, Salisbury steak, and we had, you know, mashed potato and meatloaf and stuff like that. But when we had something that we didn't like, it turned into a war. And I'm talking about the kids. Now, mom would cook whatever she would cook, and I think that was part of it. Because think about this. When we were kids, we were going through a recession at the time. Oh, yeah, very and much so. inflation and recession for you and for me. I yep. mean, it was very similar to what we've been going through as adults right now. Um, it was tight, tight. Very tight. Oh, money was so tight in our, in our family. Um, so a lack of appreciation for what was put on the table, I think, was what rang, ran around inside our parents' minds. It was almost disrespect. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But from a kid's point of view, you're looking at, for you, say, you had uh, meatloaf and broccoli. And you're like, I don't want broccoli. Yeah, that's straight trash. Right. I'm not eating broccoli. I'm going so down with the ship. Right. And so instead of that being, oh, I'm sorry, you don't like broccoli, let's, don't worry about it. Eat the rest of your food. Somebody else will eat the broccoli. Whatever. For my brother, and for me, I didn't. there wasn't anything that I disliked that much. For my brother, it was mashed potatoes. I mean, he went down with the ship on that. And, then, and okay, so here's my question. Love my parents to death. Well, my mom, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Once you establish the kids' likes and dislikes, I'm not saying tailor the menu to their liking. But what I'm saying is don't sit there and once a week or once every two weeks put something in front of them that you, you know. know they're not going to like, you know they refuse to eat, and then you have a fight over it. It makes no sense. And my brother would sit there. Dinner turned into a three-hour thing until they finally said, we'll put it in the fridge warm enough for you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that I was got the other that. thing. Or, or we had we also had eat it or wear it. That was my dad's favorite thing. I didn't do that. Oh, yeah. And when it was Salisbury steak, that was a mess. So My experience was similar and different because my mom and dad divorced early. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he had his own place. So I, I was split in time every other weekend. And my dad was chill. Honestly, he didn't care. Mm -hmm. It was like, here's what we made. Make your own plate. You know, you're on your own. And so we didn't have that. You have to have this. You have to have that. You have to have this, and you better eat it all. Um, my mom was completely different. Mm -hmm. It was, I'm making your plate. This is what's going on it, and there better not be anything on it afterwards. My mom was like that, but not 
hardcore. My dad was the backup, and my mm-hmm. dad was the final word, and my dad was a jerk. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this situation turned into a real power play. Kids are going to be stubborn, especially if you're trying to get them to do something or eat something or drink something that they do not like. Yep, they're gonna. They will just and and I I did this when I was a teenager. My dad grounded me, and I did. You know that scene in Breakfast Club. Where are we finished? No. <laughs> oh, that that was me. Yes, that was me too. Because yeah. kids have, they stake their little bit of ground. And parents have all the ground. And kids get that little bit of ground and they're like, I'm not letting this go. Yeah, this is my once ground. Once they let it go, it's over. Exactly. And if the parents have 97% of the ground in this turf war and go for the last 3%, kids are not going to take it well. No. And... And I'm just not looking for a fight every time I sit down. Right. I'm See, not going to make my kids eat something that my, I know they're not going to like. My kids are adults now. You still you got young kids in the family, but you've got adult kids as well. Um, and neither one of us, and I don't know if it's because of our experience or because we, we tend to be a little more what I consider to be rational about it, mm-hmm. is that neither one of us said, this is the hill we're going to die on, and this is the hill you're going to die on, and we're going to have a battle about this. But for us, it was like every two or three weeks, it turned into a fight. And it's like, you already know how this is going to go. Why are you putting mashed potatoes in front of David again when you know he's not going to eat them, when you know this is going to be a long, drawn-out battle? Because if it's a power play, that makes no sense. See, my mom would try to do sneaky stuff. And it was like she learned with the broccoli experience in which I sat there. It had to be half the night. Sure. And and I was not going to eat this thing. It's not happening. She made me eat it. I threw it back up. I kind of won. But she decided she was going to get sneaky with it. Mm-hmm. And she would make something that she would call guitars and banjos, which was fried okra and fried squash. And she would put them oh, in front of Oh, I'm sure that went you. over well with you. And, you know, me not being in the kitchen watching her do this, right. I had no idea. She goes, oh, it's something new I found. It's called, you know, banjos and guitars. And I went, oh, okay, it doesn't sound edible. But yeah. I'm going to, I took a bite into that thing and it came right back out my mouth. And which her hand came straight across my face. All right. And we're going to tell you right now, if you're listening as a parent, and this is the battle that you have, I, I just don't understand you. No, I don't get it either. I just There's don't There's so many more you. things that you could be fighting about. And- Absolutely. And, and, and you're, you're creating a battle within your family at the dinner table that is a battle of wills between you and the child that doesn't have to happen. On top of that, it's either uncomfortable or hilarious to everybody else that's sitting around the table. Oh, yeah. For me, I mean, it wasn't funny because my dad would get real mad, and it got to be a real thing my mom was when this happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I never understood that. That's, you know, my dad had a saying that uh, when you have kids, if I, you see something I did right, emulate it. If you see something I did wrong, go the other direction. Yeah, I, I totally picked my father's view on that. And yeah, just went, and, and I've gone like, the other direction. There you go. For example, I got the hell beat out of me uh, for various things. Um, but I have never spanked my kids. Disapp- I have not either. Disappoint- I, did, I did once with my, my oldest daughter, and I did it once. I hated it so much, I never did it again. Me too. Um, and I found that disappointment, parental disappointment works a lot So better. much better. So we're not here to teach you how to be parents, but we are here to say that, you know what? Life is full of conflict. There's no reason to create conflict for I, the sake of conflict. I brought this up the other day, and we're, we're, I was having this discussion with somebody, and they were talking about, you know, spanking kids mm-hmm. and this, that. And, and this is, I, I would have, you know, spanked Parker for that. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And, and I went, 
Well, I said, at some point, the spanking stop. And I said, and they have to learn, you know, that when they do something wrong, they're not going to get their butt beat for it. And I said, so when's the last time you made a mistake? And this individual said, well, it was like last week, and I did this, that, and the other. I said, so did anybody come at you with a belt at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, and bend you over? I was like, because, hey, if it worked then, it should work now. Right. And the conversation kind of shut down. But, yeah, I, I am so, so against doing that. Hearing, hearing us talk about this, you may think that we're very liberal parents. We're, we're not. not. I'm not We're at not. All. As a matter of fact, we are I go for where very it hurts. strict in a lot of ways. I go for where it hurts, and that's electronics. See? Yeah. There's, see, there's other... I can take you off the matrix really fast. But you know what? It's a generational thing, because I guarantee my parents were both raised that way. I know my mother was. No, Her my mother was. was the f- quickest backhand in the West. I mean, she would backhand smack her. So she picked that up. From, and my dad, from his father... So their parenting techniques came from their parents. Now, I saw a different way, one that worked better for us. Mm-hmm. If my daughters did something wrong, and I've been so blessed in that my, my kids, my two daughters, have been overall very well-rounded, well-behaved kids. So I haven't had to go to this well too often, but I will say that the uh, disappointment I'll, just, I'll, I'll talk to him, and I, and I think what that is, 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 I hope it is, the strength of the relationship between the parent and the child. Because if it means so much to the child that you're disappointed in them, then that carries that much more weight, and it's more effective as a punitive tool. No, oh, I agree. You don't whip it out arbitrarily, but no. when it's necessary, you go there. It's a good weapon. It is. And I found that that was a better parenting way. I still look back, and I say, I've made a ton of mistakes in parenting. I look back at that all the time. Oh, I do it all. What would I do differently if my kids were young again? It was like Parker was having a straight meltdown the other day. And I, I just, I, I couldn't deal with it. I mean, she's nine. She's full of drama. The hormones are starting to kick in. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's very girl, girl. And, and I just, I was like, man, this is just making me mad. This pisses me off. (laughs) And I got up and I walked in the other room and and then, you know, she went after her mom, you know, and she's doing the drama and ended up her having to go to her room. But it's, and it's one of those things where I just sit there and I go, it's just, just hormones. Am I just a horrible parent? I mean, you question yourself. I, I, I look back and I question everything I've ever done as a parent. I think I've done a good job, Mm -hmm. but at the same time I look back and my regrets are magnified. Oh my! I look back and I say, "This I know this is where I misstepped." Yeah, and I feel so terrible to this day. I feel terrible about it. And it's funny what kids remember because I have my older threes. I thought about that this week. You know, my my oldest is going to be twenty eight this year, mm-hmm. and he and his sister and his her brother, you know, they're all around the same age, and they'll they'll tell me, "No, you did this right. You did that right." And it's the different things you said this to me, and it made a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's something you don't even remember. Right. And so it's interesting what they remember compared to what you remember. And the thing is, it doesn't really dawn on you as a parent because you're just going day to day and dealing with things as they come up. Yeah. But as you look back, and I just thought, had that thought earlier this week, I said, I remember things about my parents that they probably would never pick up on or, or remember if they were still with me. Um, I don't know what my kids will remember, good or bad, about me. Mm-hmm. about how I raised them. And that is, to me, in some ways a heartwarming thought and in some ways a terrifying thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I and so I don't go there in my head because I'm like, okay, what's done is done. Yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> but I still have that massive regret in some ways. Oh, great. So there you go. Parents, all I'm saying is no reason to get into conflict. There, there's enough things to There's be plenty of other things about. to fight about. Absolutely. Don't like with make... my 15-year-old, his grades. 
Okay, see, that's valid. Oh, it's very that's valid. valid. But this stuff where you just create conflict out of thin air, it makes no sense. And there, there are better, more worthwhile battles to have oh, agreed. within parent and child relationships. Okay, one more thing. And I thought about this this morning as I was going, okay, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? And I thought about this. I said, oftentimes, and sometimes it makes it on the air, but oftentimes off the air, we'll talk about the things that we did in our youths, which it seems like this is a trend that the majority of our podcasts tend to talk about things of our past. Yeah. Okay. We've got we may have 50 some odd years of the past. Yeah. But I think they're, they're entertaining at the very least. I mean, I'm, I chuckle at them. So <laughs> I find it funny. You right. Know. Hopefully you all do. So the topic here is how are we not dead yet? Mm. And what this is, is I, and I think about this and how protective I was. This goes back to parenting. How did you do that? You, you went out and you went with your friends and didn't tell me where I was going. I, how are you? I, I freak out. The stuff that I did as a kid should have gotten me killed 30 times over. If not killed, maimed. <laughs> At least in the hospital. Yes. How I made it all the way through childhood to adulthood without some kind of debilitating injury blows my mind. Our childhood is different from what the kids are today. I yes. mean, when you see the stupid memes all over Facebook, oh, we were the last generation that was out until the lights came on. You had to be home. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, there was no parental supervision. Saturday morning consisted of you woke up, you watched cartoons, you were out the door until at least dinner time, And your parents had no idea well, where you Well, an example, were. when we would play, I was... 13, 14 years old, and the kids in the neighborhood would get together. Hey, you want to play football? Yep. Okay. Well, football consisted of a Nerf football, and there were no quarters. There was score, but it ended when somebody was bleeding. Yep. Or somebody was crying if it was that bad, or somebody was injured to the point where they couldn't play. That's where it ended. And oftentimes, you shuffled them off and brought in an extra. We were playing football at Sarville High School on their practice field. <laughs> And we all, you know, my friend Bobby. Yeah. And he, he's not exactly the most athletic person in the world. But no. He, but he was the biggest out of all of us. So uh-huh. he became the running back. Sure. And he ended up literally breaking his ankle uh, within five minutes of us playing. <laughs> and we all looked at him and went, quit being a wuss. That's it. Go back up there. Rub some dirt on it. Go sit up on your car. <laughs> and we literally played for another two hours. Would you like pom-poms? <laughs> oh, <laughs> We had to take him to the hospital, and the reason why I remember when it was, it was when the Bears played the Eagles, and it was a playoff game, and it was the Fog Bowl game, where, okay, you, where I you couldn't that. see. It was that same day, in which we made him stand out at Centerville High School for literally two hours with a broken ankle while we played football. We had a game. I went to Catholic school on Long Island before we moved upstate, and so I would have been sixth, seventh grade. And uh, the Catholic school didn't have a playground. What we had was the parking lot to the church that was attached to the Catholic school which really made us mad because there was a public school separated by a fence right next to us, and they had a big green. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We had yellow lines and white <laughs> lines and asphalt. And we literally played a game called Kill the Guy with the Ball. And yep. the whole point of this game was one guy got the ball, you started, and you ran for your life until you were getting your butt kicked, and then, and then you, then you tossed the ball, the ball yep. to somebody else. And stupid us – We'd go for the ball. Yep. Oh. He wanted the ball. Come after me. You had 12, 13, 14 guys coming after you to kick your butt. Kill the guy with the ball. And we loved that game. And again, it didn't end until somebody went headfirst into the pavement mm-hmm. and had to go to the nurse's office. There were stitches. Blood. And when the, when the nuns would find out that we played that game, I'll tell you when it ended. 
I, this was my seventh grade graduation, and earlier that day, some kid went into convulsions because they hit his head on the pavement so hard. Oh, that was the end of killing the guy with yeah, the ball. No, no more of that. that. No, no, that was when the edict was laid down. No ball, no kill, no guy. Not happening. Yeah. So anyway, but I do have one thing, and this was the best one in my mind. My friend Jeff had uh, a barn slash garage. It was a garage with a, like a barn up above it, right? A loft. Yes, a lot. And what we did, and we were just stupid kids. And it was my brother David, and my friend Don, uh, sometimes my friend Gary, uh, Jeff. Uh, and we would get together and just do stupid things. Because you had no internet, you had nothing. No. So, and not only that, but we were in a very remote town in the mountains. So we had to create our own fun. So what we did, we all thought we were going to be like ninjas one day. We just got, we started reading these like ninja, like fiction books. We're like, oh, yeah. We like all pretend we were working out and stuff. We were like fourteen, fifteen, and what we did was, ninjas are quiet, <laughs> ninjas are stealthy. So what we did was, in the middle of the night, eight nine o'clock at night, we would go to this loft, and we would separate. We had two pairs of boxing gloves, and each one of us would get one glove, and then, you also had. Other things that you could use as weapons, such as a heavy bag that was laying on the floor in the middle of the room. <laughs> and basically, oh, and just for fun, the roof of the loft where you would actually, you could run into it, had nails sticking through it. So that was fun, too. You ran into a nail, you got yourself punctured with a two-inch nail. And I what, like this game. And what we, we had no name for it, but what we would do is get up there, we'd, we'd, we'd go to four corners, right? And then, we, then you'd hear, begin. And then you would sneak around, and then somebody would run into somebody else, and you start wailing the living daylights out of them. And then everybody else would go to that noise and start beating the living piss out of somebody wow. with that one glove. And if you happen to stumble onto the heavy bag, you just picked that up and swung it around you and took out people. <laughs> it was the most ridiculously stupid, injurious thing you ever saw in your life. We loved that game, and when we walked out of that game, we were all looking like we'd been in a barroom brawl, every one of us, and we loved it. Forget your video games. That was the stuff right there. Everything seemed to happen at night when we did oh, stupid stuff. Because we would play flashlight tag. Okay. And, and we were running, and my stepbrother was behind me. And it's pitch black. Mm -hmm. And you can't, can't see. And I get up to where when, when there were clotheslines out still. Oh. And I saw it at the last second and dodged. The next thing I hear, it's like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> you hear the ping. And then the flashlight went flying by my head. <laughs> and I turned okay, around and looked. Is flashlight tag when you tag them with the flashlight? Yes. Is that what that is? Yeah, we would run it's around. It's not the way we played. And we would bang, I mean, just knock each other. So you're just hiding out wherever you could hide <laughs> out. And then you were running for your life. But yeah, he ended up with like a huge knot on his head. <laughs> and we had to go home and explain this to dad. Oh, no. And dad was like, y'all are stupid. We don't care. Our parents, all of our parents knew better than to ask. We came in bloodied. They like... Okay, are you complaining about anything? No? Okay, you're good. I fell off a moped one time, and I had a basically a rip in my skin from about halfway up my forearm all the way down to my elbow. I walked in, and my dad looked at me and went, rough day? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I got tears running down. I'm like 13, 14 years old. 
I go into, of course, the bathroom and find the hydrogen peroxide. Oh, yeah. And pour it on there. And then, you know, my aunt, who was only like three or four years older than me, was trying to help me. And I can hear my dad laughing in the other room. <laughs> yeah. Well, that will learn you. Uh-huh. Was, it doesn't. Yeah. There it was, doesn't there learn you. No hospital trip. No nothing. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll tell you one thing that we did learn when we played that game in the attic. I don't even know what to call it. The attic game, I guess, or whatever. The loft game. Is that we, you learned to be real quiet. Because oh, yeah. you didn't want somebody sneaking up on you. And there was legitimately no light. Mm-hmm. No light whatsoever. So it was pitch dark. But these are the things. And I've got other stories. And they'll wait for other podcasts Remind me to tell you one time about my brother and I, our money-making scheme <laughs> when we were in fourth grade. That was <laughs> oh, yeah. All I'm telling we'll you have is to save that one. we were so beat up at the end of that day, and that one's going to be saved. But we'll talk about that maybe next week, maybe never. Maybe never. I don't know. Who knows? They could cancel it after this week. That's right. If you want to hear our show, we're... I, I promise we'll go shorter, but uh, and we'll also throw some country music in between stories and, if we have and other things. If it, well, we, we have to. All right. When it comes to the radio, okay. But we're on uh, 99.3 The Cat uh, in the PD uh, region of South Carolina Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. We have a countdown where we count down the top 20 country songs uh, in the nation. We do it ourselves. That airs on our app and on our radio station at 8 a.m. on Saturdays and an encore presentation at 7 p.m. on Sundays. So you have the podcast that you can tune into for a live episode every Friday. You have the countdown, and you have the show itself, which is 20 hours of pure mud flap and palmer per week. I mean, let's face it. It's not too much to ask. And you don't have to pay a thing. It's free. I mean, just not that ask, they're paying for the podcast. Yeah, just ask our bosses. They don't pay for a thing. <laughs> so, anyway, thanks again for listening. Send us a message if you want on social media about the podcast or anything else. Mudflap has a page. Palmer has a page. Ed Palmer. There's a Mudflap and Palmer page, and we respond to all of that. And also, you can email us as well at mudflapandpalmer at gmail.com. So, until next week, again, April Fools, watch yourselves, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, y'all. And that's a wrap. Thanks for checking out the Mudflap and Palmer. We're forced to do a podcast podcast. A new episode goes live every Friday. So check back then. If you need more of the guys, you can hear Mudflap and Palmer in the PD on 99.3 The Cat weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. and around the world via the Cat Country app. Have a great week.